I got a chance to speak when Pastor Tony was out of town, and uh, I started a message called Now and Later. So we're going to finish that up hopefully tonight, and if you want to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to the book of 1 John and chapter 3, that will be our launching point. I was at a meeting with a group of pastors, and a pastor, I asked, asked him what he was teaching on at that point at his church, and he said, oh, I'm doing a series, and he quoted this verse to me, and I'll tell you what, it went off inside of me like fireworks, because, well, because the Lord wanted to teach me some things, and I'm going to try to pass that on to you, what he taught me, all right? So 1 John, the book of 1 John, chapter 3, verse 2, it says, Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not yet appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him, because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. Now, if you take a look carefully at this passage of Scripture, you're going to see that it's a bit of a timeline. He starts out with now. You see that up there? Now we are the children of God, and it has not yet appeared as yet what we will be. Well, what we will be when we're in heaven is we will have a changed body. When Jesus rose from the dead, you remember, the disciples were all in this room, and Jesus suddenly showed up. He didn't open the door. He didn't crawl through the window. He was just suddenly there. Will our new bodies be like that? I don't know. Maybe. But you know what? The Bible says we're going to be changed. If we look at what the Word says, and we may do that, in a minute, but it says we'll be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. But now, it says there's now, right now, we're not like that. I can't just show up in a room without opening a door, can you? I doubt it. Uh, so, anyway, it says, now we are the children of God, and it has not yet appeared then in heaven what we will be with our new heavenly body, but we know that when he appears, we will be like him. Are we like him now? <laughs> Somebody went, mm. <laughs> no, that's the right answer. That's exactly right. That is 100% true because if you keep reading in this passage, it says, everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. So there's now, and there's later in heaven, and then there's the in-between time. This is our timeline. Well, in between we purify, right? There's a purification process. We're not in it by ourselves. He's there helping us, but, but there's a process where we go from now, when we'll call now the day you get saved, all right? And, and then is the day you get to heaven, and whatever time there is between those, it varies, doesn't it? Some people, uh, uh, some people have a lot of life in between the day they get saved and the day they die and go to heaven or whatever, right? But, uh, you know, some of us won't die. Jesus will come back and we'll just rise with him, but that's okay. Some of us will die. Some of us won't die. But there, there might be a little bit of time. There might be a lot of time. But either way, there's a process that's supposed to start taking place. You know, when, when we're born again, the Bible says that we're made a new creature. See, we're not just left out on our own. We're not doing this on our own. It's not just our strength, our energy, trying real hard. Uh, we can try hard, but... but you can't make yourself a new creation in Christ. 
So, so that's something God does in an instant. He makes our spirit man new. But our soul, our mind, will, and emotions aren't changed at all. Not at that point. And our body's not changed at all, and our body's not going to be changed until heaven. Or until that moment that Jesus comes and then the twinkling of an eye, it'll be changed. I'm looking forward to that. How about you? Is your body ever uncooperative? <laughs> Some of you young guys don't know what I'm talking about. But sometimes your body might be a little uncooperative. Even if you young guys, if you go to the gym and uh, have you ever worked out so hard when you tried to do something with your arm, it just didn't do it? Yeah, well, yeah, I've done that. That's kind of this process, this in-between thing, you know, between now and later. That in-between thing, some of it, it kind of hurts good, but some of it is, some of it's easy, some of it's hard, but there's a process, all right? It has not yet appeared what we will be, but we're in this process of purification, all right? You know, we, we talked last time quite a bit about the heaven time, all right? And, and just to quickly summarize that, there's a few things that we know are going are gonna to be there. Um, we're going to know God in heaven. That's going to be awesome. You know, we don't talk a lot about heaven. Why is that? You know, I think, there, I think we've, we've swung too far. You know what I mean? We, we, people used to be, when I was growing up, they talked about heaven all the time. And they were just like, oh, if we can just get through this life... And make it to heaven if we can just hold on. You know what? Did you ever hear Jesus talking like that? That's just ridiculous. But that's, okay, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Did you hear that growing up? Oh, Lord. Anyway, we, we're just hold on. You know, no, no, no. That isn't how God wanted it. You know, you know, whatever happened to victory? You know, have you read the Bible? I don't know what, I don't know why we are, but. They talked a lot about heaven because life was so terrible, you know? You guys know that song? I like that song, I'll Fly Away, but, you know, this, I think it's the second verse. Just a few more weary days and then. Oh, come on. My, uh, I, I was on a nursing home team when I lived in Oklahoma, and my nursing home team leader, we love to sing that song, but he'd say, okay, we're changing the word weary to harvest. Just a few more harvest days and then I'll fly away. I like that a lot better. How about you? Anyway, anyway, so we're going to know him. The Bible says this is eternal life that they may know you. We're going to know God, okay? You know, we're going to know him. Think about that. That's, uh, anyway, I better not go there. We'll, we'll be there all night if I get going. There's going to be joy. The Bible says in his presence is fullness of joy. Amen? Uh, enter into the joy of your master, Jesus said. It's going to be good. We're going to be rulers. I don't know what we're going to be in charge of, but the Bible says that. So, you know, so not a measuring device that's a foot long. He doesn't mean that. He meant you're going to be in charge of something. I don't know what. We're going to be one with the Father. That's going to be cool. We're going to serve one another in love. We're going to be like the angels in some ways. I don't know what that means. It says we're neither married nor given in marriage. I have no idea what that means. Uh, there's, the Bible says that, uh, that in the ages to come, he's going to show us the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness toward us. So there's going to be a lot of kindness toward us. I, again, I don't know what that means, but it doesn't sound bad, does it? Kindness. I can deal with kindness, all right? No tears, no pain. It's going to be a great thing. But 
the in-between time between now and then can be, well, we're incomplete. We're going to see him as he is, but you know what? We, can't, we don't see him 100% as he is because if we, the Bible says when we read that verse in, third, in uh, 1 John 3, it says when we see him, we'll be like him because we'll see him as he is. We don't see him as he is yet. Hello. Now, he's revealed in his word, but we don't have a hold of it 100% yet, but, but it's a progressive thing. He doesn't expect you to have a hold of it 100% yet, but he expects you and wants you and is hoping you will get a hold of it step by step progressively, all right? That's what he wants. That's what I want. How about you? All right, good. All right, so, <clears throat> but, but Jesus recognized that life on this earth would have challenges, didn't he? He said each day will have Trouble? Did he say that? Yeah, he did. Each day will have trouble of its own. Some people thought that was a lack of faith. All right, it isn't. Jesus is just real. Hello. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad he, you know, I, I appreciate it when people tell me the truth. Turn over to, uh, turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul's talking about this earthly tent. That means our body. He's talking about our body. You understand, he didn't say me. He didn't say me because he's not a body. He's a spirit man, just like you are, all right? I am a spirit. You are a spirit. I live in a body. He says, I live in an earthly tent. That makes sense to, to describe it that way. You understand what I'm talking about? I had a... I had, I had a I was doing some work on my house, and I tore some siding off, and there were tracks of mud going up inside of the walls of my house, and I called an exterminator, and, and he goes, no, I don't see any termites. I'm like, okay. I made the mistake of not saving the mud tracks. I had torn them out, and they were on the old siding, and I got rid of it. I said, there's termites. He goes, I don't see any evidence of it. So in the spring, when the termites migrate? Is that the right word? Anybody know? I don't know what they do. They swarm. And uh, I came home from uh, some event about five in the evening, and there were about 2,000 termites in my living room. So I called him, and he's like, I'm really, really sorry. I feel really bad. I told you there were no termites in your house. You have termites, though, so I got to... Okay, now, you know, if, if in your body... If, if you have a sickness, do you understand that you are a spirit and you do not have a sickness? Your house might have a sickness. It doesn't have any right to be there. But you don't have a sickness. So don't go around telling people you're sick. You know, you might say, you might tell them what your symptoms are or whatever, but you're not sick. You're fine. Jesus made you a new creation, creation in Christ. You're 100% great. But your body may have an issue. All right? Jesus died for that, though, so don't, don't suffer with it. Are you in first, second, mm, second Corinthians? Are you there yet? Second Corinthians chapter 5, starting with verse 1. For we know that if the earthly tent, which is our house, is torn down, that means if we die, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. That then, right? Not now, but then. We'll have that new body. For indeed, in this house... We groan, longing to be clothed with our dwelling from heaven. Do you see what he's saying there? 
You saying, why would you groan? Well, because there's challenging days sometimes down here. Sometimes your body may not co cooperate 100%. But uh, th there's challenging days sometimes with our friends and our family, with our loved ones, with our bosses, with other people. And, you know, we can, we can, uh, we can be victorious in all these things. That's what God wants, all right? He's going to help us. He's going to strengthen us. Look down to verse 9. Well, now look to verse 7 first. For we walk by faith. Hello. So we trust him. We're walking this thing out. The in-between time, we're walking by faith. Verse 9. Therefore, we make it, we have as our ambition, whether at home or absent, to be pleasing to him. For we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed for the deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. See, the day is going to come when we stand before him. But do you understand that, that he, he is trying to help you grow up, get strong, live victoriously? Do you see that? Well, I... Turn back to chapter 3 real fast. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed. You see that? Your mind, will, and emotions are being transformed. Is that good news? That's good news. Into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. You know, he is transforming you. He's changing you. It's not some massive effort. But you know what? It says where the Spirit of the Lord is. Do you understand the Spirit of the Lord is inside of you if you're born again? All right. So the Spirit of the Lord is there. And where he is, there is liberty. There's freedom. See, it isn't some big massive effort that we're being transformed it's freedom. It's freedom from sin. It's freedom from old habits. It's freedom from old ways of thinking. All right? It's freedom from sickness. It's freedom from fear. It's freedom from all these things that are in our past, that are in our mind, our will, and our emotions. And he's trying to set you free. He's trying to get you to a place where you're walking in absolute freedom and joy and peace and all the things that 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 he wants you to walk in. See, see, you don't have to wait till heaven to have peace. You can walk in peace down here, but you're going to have to submit to his transformation. You're going to have to follow him. Do you understand he's your shepherd? The Lord is my shepherd. Psalm 23. I shall not want, or I shall not lack. See, he doesn't want you in any kind of lack. He wants you walking this thing out. He wants you full. He wants you strong. He wants you able. He wants everything working in your life. But we got to follow him. You know, that's what he said to the disciples. Follow me. I said that the last time I spoke to you. Follow me and I will make you something. That implies a process. He's turning you. He's changing you. He's helping you. He's making you into fishers of men. But we're not out on a limb. Turn over to Philippians chapter 2. We're not out on our own. We're not without help. He hasn't abandoned us. He didn't, uh, he didn't save us and say, all right, you're on your own. Good luck. 
Ilona, you're on your own now. Good luck. See how that works out. Give me a call when you get to heaven. We'll see how it, no. See, that isn't what it does. That isn't how it works. See, he, he didn't leave us. He didn't abandon us. He gave us of his spirit because his spirit is a good guide. As many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. He's going to lead you into freedom. He's going to lead you into a place of peace. He's that shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. He maketh to me to lie down in green pastures. You see that? He didn't lead you out into the desert where there was sand to chew on. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul, our mind, our will, and our emotions. See, he's restoring them. He's changing them. He's rejuvenating them. He's transforming them. Not your spirit. Your spirit's good. Your spirit has the life. You've got the life of God in you. You're good. Philippians 2, are you there? Philippians 2, verse 12. So then, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Sounds like it's on us. Verse 13. For it is God who is at work in you. Oh, sounds like it's on him both to will and to work for his good pleasure. See, there's, like I said the other day, there's a man side and a God side to everything, all right? There's, a, there's God's part and your part. Your part is to follow him. Your part is to cooperate with him. Your part is to not fight him. Do you understand that? But sometimes I do. I don't know about you. Sometimes I'm not the most cooperative. Sometimes I want to do it my way. You ever felt that way? <clears throat> Romans chapter 12. You don't have to turn there. You probably know that. I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto him, and be not conformed or, yeah, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? By the renewing of your mind. See, he, he's working on your soul. He's working on your mind, your will, and your emotions. All right? Look at verse 3, though. For through the grace given me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly, or not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. Now, I want you to just... Take a look at that for a half a minute. It says, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but some people ought to not think more lowly of themselves than they ought to think too. Hello? Amen. See, what he said there right after that is, he, but to think so as to have sound judgment. You know, some people are extraordinarily hard on themselves. They don't see themselves as doing anything good. They don't see themselves as making any progress. Some people are quick to excuse their own shortcomings as insignificant and others' problems as major. That's kind of the other's ditch, isn't it? So, you know, he wants us to look at ourselves realistically and see where we're at. See where we're at. I don't know where you're at. Most of the time, I know, I know where I'm at. But you know what? I, I'm going to tell you the truth. 
We don't always even know where we're at. That's why we have this. Do you understand? We have God's word because it will more accurately show us where we're at than what we know of ourselves. Elisha was in a city, and uh, they slept. They spent the night. His servant got up and uh, went outside and looked over the wall, and there, uh, I believe, the Arameans had surrounded the city. And was that true? Yeah, that was true. And, and, and what the servant saw with his own two eyes was a fact, all right? He wasn't looking at it wrong. It wasn't like he didn't see uh, what was actually happening there, but he didn't see the whole picture. My, my, my point is, is we don't always see the whole picture. We don't always know 100% what's going on with our own brains, okay? That's why he helps us. That's why it says he's working in us, both to will and to do, okay? Because, because we don't always get it. So, uh, you know, he ran to the prophet and woke the prophet up. He's like, you've got to come and see that we're surrounded. You know, he was panicked. I don't blame him. I mean, it was a big army, and, you know, what are they going to do to us? You know, the armies back then, you know, you know they, they had quite the reputation for, you know, taking all the women and taking all the children, killing all the men, whatever. You know, he had reason to, in the natural, to panic, and the, the prophet was not even slightly concerned. And he prayed, and he said, Lord, open his eyes so that he can see. There it is, 2 Kings chapter 6. So he said, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw. And what did he see? He saw the mountain all around the city, all around over the top of all these Arameans were the chariots of God, of chariots of fire and angels. And they were a lot more of them than there were of the army of the Arameans. So, so now he understood why the prophet wasn't worried. And the prophet prayed. That, they, that the soldiers would be blinded, and then they led them somewhere, and then they fed them, and then they sent them on their way. And the Bible says, now this is interesting, the Bible says that the Arameans no longer attacked Israel. Well, that shows some good sense on their part. <laughs> Attacking Israel was a really, really bad idea. But, you know, but, but, but here, here's the deal. The servant saw what he could see, he wasn't wrong with what he saw. He just didn't see the whole picture. That's how it is with you and I. We don't see the whole picture. One day the Lord was, was dealing with me on something, and, and, uh, and I was asking him. I was like, Lord, I don't, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to think. I don't know what's going on here. And, and, but here's what I think. And the Lord spoke to me in words, so I heard him. I mean words. And, and he said it's just the exact opposite of what you think. I was like, what? But, but, but see, if, 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 we don't, if we don't go to his word and go to him, we're not going to be able to work everything out. It says we're supposed to work out our salvation, right? Aren't we supposed to? Yes, but, but not without the other verse that says, for it is God at work within you. All right? See, it's a faith walk. We go from faith to faith. Amen? Isn't that right? So, so if we're going from faith to faith, it's like, uh, you know, I had a, a friend, um, when I lived out in Colorado for a while, I worked, um, I worked right outside of Rocky Mountain National Park, 
for a couple summers when I was in college. Actually, to get to where I worked, you actually had to drive into the park and then back out to get to the private land where I worked. And, uh, and uh, one of the guys I worked with, they called him a mega hiker because he, he climbed, I think, four or five mountains in one day, one day. But they were kind of peaks like this. But when, when I think about us going from faith to faith, I think about, you know, we're going from one mountain peak to the next. You know what? I, we're not down in the valley suffering. No, we're going from faith to faith, guys. There's the, we're not going from faith to doubt to faith to doubt to faith. No, 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 no. That's not what it says. We're going from faith to faith to faith to faith, just like that guy climbed mountains. We're just going from one victory to the next. That's what God wants. All right? That's, that's his plan for you. Now, sometimes in this body we groan until we get to heaven, okay? But, but that's because there's some challenges. But, but we make it our ambition to be pleasing to him. All right? I'm not going to ask how many of you God's dealing with you on something right now because I already know the answer. All of you. Okay? Me too. All right? He's dealing with me with something right now. You know, but, but, but you know what? We, uh, we don't... We don't, uh, we don't get discouraged. We, we, we encourage one another. The Bible says daily. We encourage one another. You know what? Don't go beating anybody up. All right? Okay. Husbands, I'll talk to you. I'm not a wife, so I can't speak for the wives. But husbands, if you're a, if you're a guy, encourage your wife every day. You know, don't, don't be a tool of the enemy and, 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 and get on her case about stuff and be hard on her. Ladies, I'm sure the same thing applies to you. But, you know, you know it's, it's easy to, you know, I, I had a friend, uh, somebody I worked with down at, uh, at uh, Rama when I was down there, and uh, her husband died. And she said after her husband died, she still blamed him for stuff. <laughs> she, she said that's one of the great things about being married is having someone to blame. I thought, okay, you know what? That, that's, that's really, I get it, and that's funny to me in a way, but you know what? We're, we're supposed to have a, we're supposed to look at ourselves honestly. We're not supposed to think of ourselves more highly than we ought, isn't that right? But to look at ourselves with sober judgment, with sound judgment. You know what? I, I, I can't blame my wife for any of the stuff that's going on with me. Now, I could be grumpy about what's going on with me. If I have a hard day or I'm tired, you know, I could kick the dog. I could do whatever. But you know what? That's not showing sound judgment. Hello? Hello? Anybody awake? Okay, good. You know, we, we, have, to, we, have, to, we have to get a hold of these things. It's just an awesome thing to be a Christian. It's an awesome thing to walk with God. And, uh, and you know, I, I tell people all the time, you know, this is pretty great, to say the very least. All right? Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. First Corinthians chapter 3. Paul is writing to the Corinthian church about the process. And in uh, verse 9, he says, For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. All right? Verse 12, skip down to that. He says, Now if any man builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each man's work will become evident. For the day will show it because it will be revealed by fire. All right, well, you know what? God wants us to do quality work. 
Ever had anybody work in your house and they did not do quality work? On our farm, um, we would have to whitewash the inside of the, the barn once in a while. You know, cows are messy. And uh, we, my, my family owned a dairy farm. My aunt and uncle managed it. And we'd have to whitewash the inside of it once in a while just to keep it clean. But uh, there was a... There was a hailstorm up in Minnesota, and there were some painters, or alleged painters, going around uh, offering to uh, paint people's houses, and uh, all they put on them was whitewash. Whitewash is real cheap, but it'll wash away in the first couple rains, and then you're back to square one. Well, you know, a lot of people got suckered in by that. But, you know, we're not just whitewashing ourselves, right? We're not just... Uh, we're not just doing shoddy work, right? We want good work done. Well, that's why we got to follow him and cooperate with him. Amen? Amen? It's a good process. We're being cultivated. It says we're, uh, did, you, did you see that from the beginning? You are God's field, God's building. You know, we are being built on by others, and we're also building ourselves. We're being cultivated by others, and we're cultivating ourselves. You know, you come to church and Pastor Tony is building you, but you're home and you're in the Word and, and in Bible study and you're doing some work on yourself, all right? So, so who are we letting build on us? You know, a master builder or some guy with whitewash, all right? No. You know, I'd, I'd be careful who I listen to if I were you. You know, we don't have time to read every book out there. We only have time to read the best books. So, you know, throw some of them out or send them to the goodwill or probably better throw them away. But anyway, that's, that's beside the point. You know, Jesus is, uh, he's, he's at work in us. I think the last time I talked, I read James 1.21. It says, therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness in humility, receive the word implanted or the word engrafted, all right? He is implanting his word into us. And that word, that word engrafted in our, into our hearts and our minds, it cleanses us, it changes us, settles us down, fixes us, soothes us, comforts us, corrects us. We know 2 Timothy. It says, uh, 2 Timothy three sixteen says, All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching for reproof, for correction, for, hello, training in righteousness. You see that one? All right. How many of you are in training? You better be. All right. God's got some great things for you. And, you know, there's no lack in him. There's no deficiency in him. All right. If there's lack, it, it's probably in our minds, our will, and our emotions because our spirit man's good. But, but we got to get the... We got to figure some things out. And you know, when you have that moment, I may have mentioned this last time, but when you have that moment where you're in the Word and you find that verse and you're like, you have that aha moment and it just goes off on the inside of you. You know what I'm talking about, right? And, and it's, like, it's like finding that piece to the puzzle that you couldn't find and you finally find it and you get it put in place and it's like, yes. You know, those are those awesome moments where God is transforming you and changing you and engrafting something into you. Amen? I'm telling you. God 
is amazing. He doesn't want us in any lack. You know, in Psalm 23, where he talks about being the good shepherd, you know, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, I shall not lack. And David got down there further and he said, my cup overflows. You know what I mean? You know what? God wants you overflowing in your life. He wants you overflowing with uh, good thoughts. He wants you overflowing with victory. He wants you, if you're a parent, he wants you overflowing with great parenting ideas. He wants you, if you're in business, if you have a job, he wants you to be the most creative person there. He wants you to be the strongest person there. He wants you to be the most capable person there. He wants you to be a blessing to that company, and he wants that company to be blessed because you're there. See, that's what David said, my cup overflows. See, you know, he wasn't chasing down goodness. He wasn't chasing down mercy. No, just quite the opposite. It said, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. They were chasing him. David was being chased down by goodness and mercy every day in his life. You know what? You're being chased down. But some of us uh, are, are, are failing to see what God's doing in our lives, and we don't even see that, that he's, he's doing something amazing. David did, though. My cup overflows, and goodness and mercy follow me. You know, in uh, John chapter 1, John was talking about Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And then he got to the place where he said he was full, Jesus was full of grace and truth. You know, Jesus is full, but Jesus lives on the inside of you. And you, my friend, are full of grace and truth. And, and you'll have, have you ever been in that place? It's so great when you're in that, in that moment when, you know, somebody calls you and, you know, they, they, uh, they're in trouble, they have a need, and the Lord gives you just exactly what they need to hear. You know what I'm talking about? Have you ever been there? You know what? Those are awesome moments, but it's because he's full of grace and truth, and he is inside of you. And that puts you in a place of being full of grace and truth. See, see, we just have to learn to cooperate with that. We just have to learn to, you know, I, I, it just cracks me up because I, I can think of the first time that happened. Somebody called me and I was like, you know, this verse came to my mind. I said, you know, the word says da-da-da-da-da-da. And, and as soon as that was, they were like, wow, that's really good. And as soon as I was done, the Lord gave me another verse, and another verse, and another verse, and another verse. And, and by the time they got off the phone, they went from being down on the dumps to going, I can do this. See, that's what it means to encourage one another daily. He is full of grace and truth. That means that you are full of grace and truth. Turn over to John chapter 16. When, right before Jesus died, he uh, spent a considerable amount of time with his last words that he gave the disciples before he died. Some of these are the most important things that, that he said. But, but you know, when, when someone... Uh, you know, when, when someone uh, puts together a will, their last will and testament, this is their, their last thoughts. After they die, you're supposed to open this up and read it and find out what their will was. Well, these are Jesus' last thoughts that he gave his disciples before he died. And, and so in, in, uh, in John chapter 16, 
Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit coming to, to dwell inside of them. That hadn't happened to him yet. They didn't fully understand what he was talking about till Pentecost. But, but in John 16, 12, it says, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Well, Jesus had been with them for three years. Can you imagine how many times they spent just listening to him? Hours and hours and days and days and days. And Jesus is now telling him, I have many more things I need to tell you, but you can't bear it now. Well, you know what? Why is that? Well, they weren't even born again yet, for starters. But you know what? We as human beings can only take so much so fast. You know, we, we'd like to think we can handle stuff faster and better and quicker than we can. But, but I'm telling you, when, when we're making spiritual progress, Jesus is not the holdup. We're the holdup. He's, he's helping us as fast as we can handle it. And, and I've been often the one who complains that, Lord, we're going too slow. We're not making progress fast enough. And then he'll make some progress, and I'm like, whoa, I can't, uh, whoa, slow down. <laughs> I'm probably the only one who's done that. But <laughs> verse 12, again, I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he came. He will guide you into all, all, you see that, all, all, the truth. He will not speak of his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, now listen to this, for he will take of mine, and he will disclose it to you. You know, if, if, uh, if, if this is mine, and it, these mints are mine. And, and I give them to you. Now they're yours. All right? And, and that's what he does. He takes of his, the Holy Spirit takes of what is Jesus's, and he gives it to us. All right? He's disclosing. Now think about that. He's disclosing himself to you. You know, when you're in it, when you, when you have a really good friend or a, 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 a f- somebody that you can disclose yourself to, you can say anything to them. You know, I, I can say anything at all to my wife. And, and that there is, think of, you know, uh, there's so much freedom in that, isn't there? But see, that's how Jesus looks at you. He's like, I can talk to you. I want to disclose myself to you. He's going to disclose the things that you need to know. He's going to tell you the things that, that you, the, he's going to give you the tools you got to have to, to be victorious in life. But the only way we're going to get a hold of those things is to get into his word. But, but, but you know, that isn't, the, you know, he, he, the vast majority of the time when he talks to me, he's talking to me when I'm, when I'm in the Word. Now, he does talk to me other times. There's certain things, you know, that, that, that he's spoken to me into my heart. But, but, <clears throat> but the vast majority of things he tells us in his Word. But, you know, he, he's going to show us things that are to come. He's going to show us, you know, the, 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 how to fix things in our lives. You know, when I, I, I was when I was winding up at the last church I was on staff at and, and it just, I just, I just wasn't, I just wasn't comfortable there anymore. And, and I didn't know why. And, and I asked the Lord, you know, I, I, well, what I, I usually would do is I would, I would go out in the evening when it was just getting dark and I would walk 
around my neighborhood a couple times and just go for a walk and I'd pray. And, uh, and sometimes I'd just pray in tongues. Sometimes I'd just pray and just talk to the Lord. And uh, I did it at night so people wouldn't see me walking down the street looking like I was talking to myself because that would be crazy. You shouldn't do that. I was driving today in the car and saw somebody talking to themselves as they were walking down the street. You know, you hope they're talking on the phone or they got something. No, they were just talking to themselves. God bless them. But, uh, you know, I don't want, I would be crazy looking if I did that, and I don't want to be crazy looking. So, anyway, I, on this particular night, it was in May of 2009, and uh, I, I stepped out of my front door and locked the, locked the deadbolt. And I said, Lord, what is wrong with me? And I hadn't even gotten out of my yard. And the Lord spoke to me in words. And he said, you are unhappy. And I'm like, I did not know that. Because, you know, I, I was in God's will. I was doing his will. I was on staff at a church. I was, I was working hard. I knew I was in his will to be there. I didn't think about, am I happy or unhappy? That did not cross my mind. Those are not things I think about when I'm in the middle of, you know what I'm talking about? I mean, you know, when you're in the middle of a task, when you're in the middle of building something or doing something simple like, you know, relatively simple like cooking a meal, you don't think, am I happy or unhappy? No, you don't think about that. You're just busy. You're just getting it done. You know what I mean? He says, you are unhappy. I am moving you to an unlikely place. That would be Omaha, Nebraska, but I did not know that at the time. He said, I'm moving you to an unlikely place. And then he said, I want you to get out of the negotiations to buy that house. Well, I had just countered. I'd, I'd put an offer on a house, and then I'd countered on the house because they didn't like my offer, apparently. So I had put another offer in. So I was like, oh. And that, that's when it crossed my mind. Oh, you mean you're moving me out of town? I didn't know that. But do you see, do you see where... See, the Holy Spirit took from Jesus. Jesus said this. He said, you tell David this. And the Holy Spirit spoke inside of me. And I was like, okay. So I called my realtor and said, okay, that offer that I just suggested, you didn't give it to him yet, did you? No. I'm like, okay, never mind that. Okay, I'm going to withdraw the offer. And, uh, you know, the Lord worked things out. And I wound up my job there and uh, moved up here. But, uh, you know, see... He, the Holy Spirit took from what Jesus had, full of grace and truth, and he gave it to the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit gave it to me. And then I was able to walk out God's plan for that season of my life. You know, normally, you know, when, when God leads us, he leads us in a pretty much of a straight path. You know what I'm talking about? Now, some of you, yeah, I saw a couple reactions on that one, but just trust me, when he, he has a plan, and yes, the plan may do all sorts of crazy steps, but, but, but you're in a plan, all right? And, and he isn't, you know, <clears throat> I, I, uh, I, I was talking to somebody one day, and, and uh, they're like, well, you know, God... God, they, people love to do that, and you can't say much when they do, but they, they want to they pin it on God. God told me to, to you know, change churches. I was like, okay, well, he, he can do that. He's done that to me, all right? But, but it had only been three months since God had told them another time to change churches. <laughs> and then they didn't last two months at that church, and God told them again. I'm like, hmm, hmm. Does that sound like God to you? I mean, you know, I, I'm, it's not my life. But, you know, 
sometimes people just look kind of flaky, maybe because they are, you know, but, but they'll pin it on God. You know what I mean. Okay, I'm getting myself in trouble here. I better stop. <clears throat> but you know what? When, when, when God's in it, it's, it's going to have peace. It's not going to look unstable. It's not going to look flaky. It's not going to look ridiculous. All right? Now, it may look gutsy and bold, okay? Uh, anybody know who Bruce Olson is? He wrote a really amazing book called Bruchko. And he was a, a missionary in South America. He, uh, he still is a missionary in South America. But he was like 19 years old or something. And, and, uh, the, and the Lord said, I, I want you to go to South America. And so with like $37 in his pocket, <laughs> he went to South America. And, you know, people thought he was out of his mind. But you know what? He, he just followed the Lord. And he, uh, skipping ahead, there was a tribe of, uh, <clears throat> of Indians in the jungle, I believe in Colombia, and he, uh, they had killed every person that tried to approach them up until him. And, uh, well, it isn't that they didn't try to kill him, but the Lord just protected him. But he was able to lead that tribe to the Lord. And uh, in, in, in like one day, just about everybody in the entire tribe accepted Jesus. And, uh, and he has, his book's wonderful because it's just full of amazing stories and exciting things that God did. Yeah, they, they said, they told Bruce one day, they said, we want to go share Jesus with this other tribe. And Bruce is like, well, they don't speak the same language as you do. And, and they didn't understand what he meant. He, he's like, you talk different. You don't speak the same. They're like, no, but we want to go share Jesus. God wants us to go share Jesus with them. Bruce is like, he just said, he just shook his head and said, fine, go on. So they left and they came back. And he's like, he's just laughing because he knows they don't speak the same language. There was no way they could talk. So they get back and, and Bruce is like, so how'd it go? Oh, good. They accepted Jesus. He's like, what? He's like, no, 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 no. How did you talk to them? What do you mean, how did we talk to them? We just talked to them like we talked to you. I don't know what God did. You know, God, God's God. If he told them to go tell these people about Jesus, he must have made a way for them to understand or them to speak a different language. I don't know what happened, but you know what? It's God's deal, not mine. But see, as we follow him, as we do what he says, as we do his plan, you know what? He's going to work things out. Amen? Yeah. Amen. You know, he's going to disclose to you the plan for your life. He's going to disclose to you everything that he wants you to do. But you know what? He's not going to dump it all on you all at once. You understand that? It's a progressive thing. It's a day-by-day -day thing. We don't have to follow the whole plan and figure the whole thing out all at once. As many as are the promises of God in him, they are yes. You know, God has great victories for you, great plans for you. As you walk with him, as you take hold of him, as you walk in faith, God's going to work out each day. He's building you. He's cultivating you. His word is building in you. His word is cultivating in you. Pastor Tony's building in you. He's cultivating in you. 
you're spending time doing that with yourself in his word, on your time, and you're transforming step by step into what God wants you to be, into someone who is more and more pleasing to him. You know, the, the uh, disciples, it wasn't always easy as they were following Jesus. There was a day when Jesus was talking about the body and the blood. And the Bible says that lots of the people who followed Jesus turned away from following him. And, and Jesus looked at him. He looked at his disciples and he said to him, you guys going to leave too? And Peter, the bold one, got to love Peter. He said, he looked at Jesus and he said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Think about that. You know, when life gets hard, you know, God wants us to run to him, not run away from him. You guys remember uh, Elisha and uh, Naaman came from Syria. Naaman had leprosy, and uh, he had uh, heard from one of the servant girls in his household that, that there was a prophet in Israel who could heal the sick, and Naaman had leprosy, and that's eventually fatal. So he went to Israel. And in the course of time, he got to Elisha. And in the course of time, uh, Elisha, he was hoping that Elisha would come down and pray for him, lay hands on him, bless him, and that he would be healed. And Elijah sent his servant Gehazi down to the door and said, here's what the prophet says, go dip in the river seven times or whatever, and, and you'll be healed. And, and Naaman got angry. And he said, that's a muddy river. We have better rivers at home. I'm not going to do it. And he stomped off. And Naaman's servants stopped him. And they said, Naaman, you know, if he'd asked you to do something hard, you would have done it. He didn't ask you to do anything hard. He just asked you to go dip seven times in the muddy river. So for crying out loud, go dip seven times in the muddy river. So Naaman did. And he dips himself seven times. And he came up and the Bible says his skin was like a baby like a child, totally restored and healed. And so he went back to thank the prophet. Track with me here. He went back to thank the prophet and uh, offered him gold and silver and changes of clothes and all this stuff that he had. He was a wealthy man. And the prophet said, no, I don't want it. You just keep that. You're good. Thanks is enough. Bye. But Gehazi wasn't satisfied with that. So Gehazi followed him. And he, he went and he lied to him and he said, uh, the, the prophet has changed his mind. Two men, two young men have come from the hills to join our prophet's group and they don't have any clothes and they could use some money. And so Naaman was happy to give him money and clothes and gold and silver and, and Gehazi took it. There's, there, there's, a, there's a reason for this. Hang on. So, <clears throat> so, uh, so this is in 2 Kings 5, and, uh, and, and the Bible says that when Gehazi got back, Elisha called him in and said, did not my spirit go with you? When Naaman stepped out of the chariot, 
and you know, and he received the 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 clothing and the gold and silver. And the Bible says that 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 Elisha spoke to him and said, "Leprosy will cling to you." And he walked out of the house covered with leprosy. And <clears throat> I thought that was the end of the story my whole life until a couple months ago. And I noticed, <laughs> now that's in 2 Kings chapter 5. And in 2 Kings chapter 8, Gehazi is still Elisha's servant. I want you to think about that for a half a second. You know, he's just like the disciples. To whom would we go? You have the words of eternal life. You know, Gehazi didn't abandon his master just because he sinned and screwed up and got leprosy. He stuck around. You know, you know sometimes things get a little hard. But you know what? God always will get you through it, no matter what it is, no matter how difficult it gets. He's always going to see you through. He's always going to lead you in triumph. You know what it says that is? He's going to lead you in triumph. It's not just going to be there just every second of every day. You know, that's why the word says we have to encourage one another daily. We got to stick to it. We got to stick to our guns. We got to keep following him. You know, Jesus said to the disciples, you guys, you guys going to, you guys going to lead me too? No. They're like, you got the words of eternal life. To who do we go? You know, I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to follow him all the way from now till then. You know, from now till later, from here to heaven, it's me and Jesus. You know, I'm not going anywhere. How about you? Me and Jesus. You and Jesus. Amen. All right, let's pray.